From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Monday edition of Washington Watch. Great to have you with us. Well, coming up, more classified documents found in the possession of President Biden, some going back to his time in the Senate. But frankly, Martha, I also don't think this is an issue that's keeping Americans up at night. Uh, I think they're worried about much more day-to-day things like uh, inflation, prices at the pump, prescription drug prices. Uh, But should it be keeping us up? That was Delaware Senator Chris Coons yesterday on ABC's This Week, downplaying the significance of the president's mishandling of the classified material. Others understand this is not. This is not an issue that can be swept under the rug or, in this case, swept out of the garage. Let's be honest about it. Uh, When that information is found, it diminishes uh, the stature of any person who is in possession of it because it's not supposed to happen. Uh, whether it was a, the fault of a staffer or an attorney, it makes no difference. The elected official bears ultimate responsibility. And we have to worry, since this uh, new group that has taken over control of the House of Representatives has promised us endless investigations, confrontations, impeachments, and chaos. That was Illinois Senator Dick Durbin yesterday on CNN's State of the Union. Hmm. Should they be worried? Well, we're going to be joined in just a moment by Texas Congressman Pete Sessions, who is a member of the House Oversight and Accountability Committee in the House. Well, it is very telling how the media has gone out of their way to state President Biden's mishandling of the classified material was much, much, much different than President Trump's. Really? How so? Was it the same as Hillary Clinton with her classified information on her bathroom server? What's the difference? We're going to talk about that with former assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York, Andy McCarthy, later here on Washington Watch. And former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo takes readers behind the scenes in some of the critical moments of the Trump administration, like his clandestine meeting with North Korea's dictator Kim Jong-un. Mike Pompeo joins me to discuss his new book that hits bookstores tomorrow, Never Give an Inch, Fighting for the Country I Love. And finally, worshiping, or maybe I should say commemorating, the anniversary of Roe v. Wade, Vice President Harris said this yesterday in Florida. America is a promise. A promise we made in the Declaration of Independence. That we are each endowed with the right to liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Wait a minute, something's missing. So is the vice president just uninformed about what the Declaration of Independence actually says? Or is she intentionally leaving out the fact that our rights come from our creator and that chief among them is the right to life? Well, we're going to talk about that a little later. Tim Barton, president of Wall Builders, joins me for that conversation. The website, TonyPerkins.com, lots of resources there for you. If you miss anything, it's all archived right there. Our word for today comes from Jeremiah chapter 1. Behold, I make you this day a fortified city, an iron pillar, and bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you, for I am with you, declares the Lord, to deliver you. You know, today we hear a lot about the cancel culture. Well, it's not new. When the Lord called Jeremiah to proclaim God's word to a society that had completely rejected the truth, the Lord told him, don't be afraid, don't wave a white flag, because I will be with you. Well, as followers of Jesus, we have the same promise. As Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? That doesn't mean we won't face opposition, but it does mean we won't face it alone. To find out more about our Bible reading plan, go to frc.org slash Bible. By the way, copies of my 40-day study of the book of Jeremiah, Courage in a Cancel Culture, have gone very quickly, but you can still get a digital copy by texting the name Jeremiah to 67742. That's Jeremiah to 67742, and you get a digital copy of our 40-day study of the book of Jeremiah. Well, it seems as each new cycle seemingly uh, comes about, we get new revelations from the investigation into President Biden's mishandling of classified documents. Even some Democrats, as we just heard, are conceding that the drip, drip, drip of new revelations of the mishandling of the 
documents is problematic. How problematic might this be? Joining me now to discuss this, Congressman Pete Sessions. He serves on the House Committee on Oversight and Accountability and the House Committee on Financial Services. He represents the 32nd Congressional District of Texas. Congressman Sessions, welcome to Washington Watch. Thank you very much. Uh, You have nailed it about five times about where we as Americans, people who love our country and the Constitution, are up against the wall. And what you've suggested is exactly what we will do, hold them accountable. Well, last Friday, before this latest stash of documents were found, uh, Chairman James Comer was on the program with me. And and, and contrary to what President Biden said last week, that there is no there there, there appears to be something here. What do you say? Well, I think one thing is we learned why Joe Biden, as candidate, was spending so much time in his basement. He was trying to reread documents that he had taken from his years as senator and vice president that were classified. So the here here is very important because you see there's a past, and the past is how they dealt with President Trump on this nearly same matter. But the question goes even deeper, and that is that the United States Senate and the vice president serving under President Obama their lacks in their use of these documents. In the House of Representatives, it's very clear, and we're reminded at the time we go into a meeting and the time we leave the meeting, you are not allowed to take classified documents outside of a secure area. And this seemingly is something that President Biden, then Senator Biden, perhaps Vice President Biden, did on a regular basis. And it is against the law. Others are held accountable. So the question is, how will we hold them accountable? And this is where James Comer, who is our chairman now, our brand new chairman from Kentucky, has a very clear vision, not only about what it will take, but about the discipline that is required to to, to work with this administration. This, this prior administration went right after the information that they received from the Department of Justice, and they used it in the impeachment of President Trump. So is it it gonna be their position? They've now selected a, a council, special counsel, who's going to hold that information? I don't think so. At the time they received the information, we have a right to do it too. And so on behalf of those millions of Americans that expect us not just to have backbone, but to stand up and ask the tough questions like, who had access to these? How long were they there? Why did they appear in private places within the the vice president, the president, or the senator's personal information home? These are all questions that must be answered. We're not going to sweep these under the rug. Uh, You make reference to the special counsel. Do you think the special counsel, who it was kind of rushed uh, in fact, as we were still finding out about more documents, was that designed to kind of be a roadblock to the House to be able to do an investigation of their own? No, I don't believe that that would exist. I believe that it was done to take it away from the Department of Justice so that the Biden Department of Justice didn't have to answer questions. But you see, this is all a smokescreen. It's to delay. It will not be something that goes without challenge from the House of Representatives. And we are entitled to that information to know that because if we need to pass a law immediately to protect the American people now, then we need to know where those leakages are taking place. It's obvious they're taking place in the United States Senate or seemingly did and in the White House. And so we need to make sure that that's well understood. Uh, Congressman Sessions, I'm gonna go back to something you said a moment ago. There's been this effort to downplay this, dismiss this as as insignificant, that the president inadvertently may have had these documents. Now, as you pointed out in the House, there's a skiff, there's a secure room. Uh, When I held a a, a security clearance, anytime I would look at documents at the State Department, I would have to be in a, a secure room. You couldn't take those documents out, couldn't take pictures of those documents. So how could this be inadvertent? 
Well, there are people, and they're called evidently Obama administration, that they were lax about it. They did not hold people accountable. Perhaps the president, we know the vice president, we now know Senator Joe Biden, but this is a clear violation of not just the spirit of the law, but the intent of the law. And I can't imagine that they had access to classified and secret documents that they could just walk around their office with. So we need to find that out also. That goes to the point, we need to find out if we need to pass new laws governing the use of these documents and what the law holds people accountable for, because we believe it's quite clear. We also believe we want to know why was that not followed. Congressman, you're not new to this. You've been in Congress for for some time. Your father was the director of the FBI, so you understand the significance of these issues. Are you concerned that uh, who may have had access to these documents that were in various places, given what we know about Hunter Biden and some of these connections? Well, sure I am. If it's in their own private residence and Hunter Biden is a crackhead going on a regular basis on the vice president's plane to China, if Hunter Biden claims maybe that was his house, those would be clear violations of the law. We we have not received the updated information about that. We have uh, this administration is not forthright about that. And these are clearly uh, national security issues. And of course, it's a problem. If Hunter Biden had access to that house, well, we're asking now the Secret Service, and we expect them to be forthright and to get that those logs to us because this is, once again, a clear violation. It would be of the law on Vice President Joe Biden, Senator Joe Biden, or President Joe Biden. Final question for you, Congressman Sessions. Uh, you heard me play the clip from Senator Coons, who is a, a friend of the president, basically saying this isn't something that keeps people up at night. They're not worried about this. Should they be worried about it? Well, what's interesting is everything he talked about is something that is directly that President Biden and Democrats have done. We are up over uh, during the night about inflation, about being able to feed our families, about having money in the bank, about having 300 children and young adults die a day because of the same policies the Democratic Party and Joe Biden have placed at our border. Of course, these are issues that keep people up at night. The, bat, the bottom line is this job is bigger than the Democratic Party. They are not up to this. This administration is not up to doing this. And they double down, they're proud of it. It is a disgrace. And this is once again, they got caught with their hand, so to speak, in the cookie jar. This is what you get when you get Republicans who are in the majority in the House where they know that they can't get away with that. They, so they were uh, open about it. And this is what we need to, why we need to continue to making sure that transparency is alive and well in Washington. Very proud of my party, very proud of what we're doing. Well, I'm going to be watching very carefully and I look forward to following back up with you once these hearings uh, begin. Congressman Session, good to see you. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. Stick with us. Mike Pompeo next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His Word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, we are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org Bible.
1 Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online center for biblical worldview is to carry out that verse by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with a prayer guide. To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldview's monthly newsletter, visit frc.org worldview. Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose. Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us. As I mentioned earlier, new study guide for the book of Jeremiah that we are beginning this month, Courage in a Cancel Culture. And if you want to get your copy, you can get a digital copy Text the word Jeremiah to 67742. Well, speaking of books and courage, as I mentioned, a new book comes out tomorrow from my good friend Mike Pompeo. Among the anecdotes recounted by former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo in his new memoir, Never Give an Inch, Fighting for the Country I Love, is of his covert trip to North Korea to meet with Kim Jong-un over the 2018 Easter weekend. Mike traveled to address North Korea's nuclear weapons program and the failed efforts of world powers to eliminate this existential threat. This is just one of many stories in the book, a very candid insight into the Trump administration. He is the only man to have ever served as both America's most senior diplomat as Secretary of State and chief spy as the director of the Central Intelligence Agency. Uh, but the book also provides a roadmap for a way forward for America to regain our footing and to show strength. Joining me now to discuss his upcoming book is former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Mike, welcome back to the program. Tony, it's great to be back with you. Thanks for having me on today. Well, it's good. to uh, Exciting book. You know, a lot of these uh, books, you know, don't say a whole lot, but there's some actually some uh, insightful tidbits of what took place behind the scenes in the Trump administration. And in this book in particular, one that's I, I thought very interesting was your encounter with Kim Jong-un, the secret trip you took to meet with him. Tell us about it. It was an eventful trip in that um, this was among the most uh, difficult problems that was plaguing us as a national security matter. Uh, I, I left on Good Friday morning and when I went to see Chairman Kim, we, I prepared a lot. I thought there were lots of things that he might say and it just turns out the very first thing he says is, gosh, I'm surprised you're here. Uh, as a CIA director, you've been trying to kill me. And <laughs> through a translator, obviously, my response was, uh, look, maybe I still am or something like that. Uh, it, it was important, Tony, that we set the tone right, that we not let him bully or push. And he laughed, uh, obviously, after he heard the translation. And from that moment on, we had a relationship where we knew we could deal with each other in uh, true, true candor. Let me ask you your impression of him. What struck you most or stuck out about Kim Jong-un? You know, uh, Tony, he was young. When we first met with him, he was very nervous. I say we. President Trump met with him three times uh, subsequently to my several visits. He was very nervous. But even in that time, you could see that he grew in confidence. But more importantly, it became very clear that he wasn't his own man. 
that he was working at behest of uh, Xi Jinping in the Chinese Communist Party. Every time we would meet with him, he would go to Beijing both before and after our meetings. And you could see that translated into he didn't have the degrees of freedom that he had hoped he would have. When we had a, an outline of a deal, he ultimately walked away from that. I think it was because of his instructions he received from the Chinese Communist Party. And you could see that in his personality over time as he became ever more diminished in his own, his own freedom. Is that why in your role at Secretary of State you were so uh, bullish when it came to China? I mean, you were very aggressive even at the point when COVID came out. In your book, you say the president told you to back off of uh, pinpointing China as being responsible for the virus. He did. He told me to back off because Xi Jinping had basically threatened not to send us uh, the PPE that we needed, the ventilators that we needed. Think about that. Uh, someone says, uh, you've got a Secretary of State just talking, and I'm going to kill Americans because of that. I think that's deeply in line with this regime's philosophy in China. So we were we were determined to alert America to the risk to the homeland from the Chinese Communist Party. And for those of us who believe in religious freedom, we know that there is no darker place than China as well. Yeah, it's one of the things we share in common, being sanctioned by the uh, Chinese <laughs> Communist Party. Welcome, Tony. Well, looking forward, and in, in, in a part of this book is not only looking backward, telling the experiences, but it's also talking about the way forward for America reestablishing itself as a world leader. How important is it that we get it right when it comes to China? There's only one external threat that can change the way we live in America. We have an enormous amount of religious freedom here. We have our First Amendment. Uh, we have a, a surveillance state that is puny compared to what the Chinese Communist Party has, uh, and we have creativity and ingenuity. China wants to undermine every one of those things. And so if we get this one wrong, they have the scale, 1.3 billion people. They have an economy that is first or second or third biggest in the world. Uh, this is truly something that impacts us right here at home. They're, they're trying to buy land in the United States adjacent to American military facilities, and we've let them do that for too long, Tony. These are the kind of things we should push back on, and when we do, He's not 10 feet tall. We'll defeat him. But it's going to take a determined America that doesn't let them walk all over us for the next 50 years the way we did for the last 50 years. Tell, tell folks how they can get a copy of the book, uh, Never Give an Inch. Go to MikePompeo.com or to Amazon.com. Pick up a copy. Um, it'll be in bookstores tomorrow, January 24th as well. Uh, my, my son wrote the forward, and I think that's telling. This was personal. This was a, a, a Christian secretary of state telling his story of how he used his faith walk and his duty to America to try and keep Americans safe for four years. I think people will really enjoy reading it. I've not yet had a chance to read all of it, some of the excerpts, because I, I just hasn't uh, hadn't gotten my hands on it. But the, you know, I know some of these things I know because of the, the role I had as chairman of the U.S. Commission right. on International Religious Freedom. So we worked together on a number of, of, of these things. This administration, the administration, the Trump administration, put a different focus than previous administrations. And you had the confidence of President Trump. Not only were you CIA director, Secretary of State, but in the book you talk about how he wanted you to become Secretary of Defense. He may have been half kidding, but it wasn't presented that way. Maybe he was just brainstorming. Uh, we were He was making a change uh, from Secretary Esper, and he said, why don't you just do both jobs? I think Chief Meadows was there as well. well that was a little bit nutty. It, it wouldn't have worked. Um, but I think it did express his confidence that I was going to do my level best to deliver on behalf of America every day and do it inside the Trump administration in a way that was worthy of our work. You had, of all of the cabinet secretaries, you had one of the closest relationships with the president. Yeah, I think that's true. I had the opportunity to see him up close and personal as CIA director almost every day. I briefed him nearly every day when I was in Washington. And I got a chance to see how he processed information. And the American people elected him president. It was absolutely important that everyone who worked for him was delivering on his agenda. And I tried to do that every day. My, my loyalty was to the United States of America, but my work was on behalf of President Trump's mission. Yeah. Well, it was a, a privilege for me to work alongside you in, in the role that I had. And grateful for you uh, coming on today. And uh, we're going to continue to stay in touch as uh, I think you've got a lot to do in the future. That sounds great. I know you'll never give an inch either, Tony, on the things that really matter. You're right. Secretary of State, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo.
Uh, get a copy of the book. Never give an inch. All right, don't go away. More Washington Watch right after this. You a university student? Do you know a university student? Specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Good to have you with us on this Monday. The website is TonyPerkins.com. Well, as the weekend delivered news of an almost 12-hour FBI search of President Biden's Delaware home, yielding even more classified documents, White House aides dutifully spun this, um, saying that, you know what, the president is totally cooperating with the investigation. Nothing here. But President Biden, I think, has a motive, maybe, for cooperating beyond the political implications, of course. Many believe that President Biden consented to a search knowing that as a criminal suspect, if he did not, special counsel Robert Hur could easily obtain a search warrant from a federal judge citing evidence of felony offenses, which would deny them the ability to say, oh, this is totally different than former President Trump's handling of classified material. Well, joining me now to discuss this is Andy McCarthy. He was the former former assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York. He's a senior fellow at the National Review Institute. Andy, welcome back to the program. Tony, nice to be with you. Now, you wrote this weekend the president did not consent to an FBI search of his own because he is unconcerned. He consented to it because he knew law enforcement had more than sufficient evidence to compel a search of his home. Discuss the uniqueness of the current situation. Well, it's really not all that unique. Uh, you know, anybody who has any experience as a, as a prosecutor or a police officer knows that many times you have criminal suspects who agree to waive some of their rights. So they can make you go to court and get a search warrant under circumstances where you have strong evidence that would allow uh, allow you to search their premises. Um, you know, they waive their right to remain silent. They waive all kinds of stuff. So consensual searches are not at all unusual in the criminal law. And they're particularly uh, common when you're dealing with someone who is hoping at a certain point in time to make a case that he's been cooperative with law enforcement. And, you know, for that reason, should be cut a break, whether it's, you know, some kind of leniency in charging or what have you. But it's a very common thing that, uh, you know, people who know that the government has enough evidence for, as you just laid out, to, for example, go get a search warrant to consent to the search. And in Biden's case, Tony, by doing that, he was able to negotiate the terms of the search. So unlike with uh, former President Trump, who they got a search warrant for him, so it was completely compulsory. The FBI didn't allow his uh, lawyers to sort of tag along with them. 
as uh, as they seize things. Uh, Biden and his lawyers were able to cut a deal with the Justice Department that basically said, we consent, we won't make you go to court to get a warrant, but we would like to have the president's lawyers accompany the agents uh, as they do the search. Well, and what's interesting about this, I, I think also this takes the, uh, as I mentioned, the ability, it would, ta- would have taken the ability of the Biden uh, team to say, oh, this is so much different than President Trump. Uh, yeah, because they're trying to make it look like this was just accidental, inadvertent, no big deal here. Uh, so the, 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 it's to their advantage. But also I found something else that was unique as I was reading through the articles, Andy, is that what's happened is that now that the president's own attorney was there in the search, they're the ones doing all the talking. Uh, so they're really putting the first spin on the story that the media is taking. Yes, that's right. And Actually, you would think they would have played that more to their advantage, but they've said a lot of things that are that are baffling to me, I must say. Like, for example, you just mentioned that they're saying that this is uh, inadvertent, um, you know, that these documents were inadvertently misplaced. Um, I could certainly understand if they had come out and said, you know, Biden doesn't want to say anything, or if they had said Biden doesn't know a thing about this. But to come out and say that they're inadvertently misplaced is a peculiar thing to say because inadvertent misplacement would not be a defense to a charge of gross negligence in the mishandling of national defense information. So it's almost a guilty plea to say that. Uh, And I have found that uh, over the last couple of weeks they seem to say a, a number of things that leave you scratching your head about whether their intention is actually to help this guy or not. Well, and I would think the American people at some point are going to ask the question. I mean, if they're just kind of tossing around national secrets, do we really want these people in control? Well, I, to me, that's a very good question. I I, I was most taken aback um, by the reporting on Saturday night. I wasn't at all surprised that they waited till the uh, till the football playoffs started before they put this out when, you know, you have who knows how many tens of millions of people in America not paying attention. But, uh, you know, I thought the most peculiar thing was that he retained documents from when he was in the Senate. You know, unlike top executive branch national security officials like the president or the head of the CIA or, you know, the FBI director, what have you, um, senators and, and congressmen don't get secure, uh, what, what are known as SCIFs, secure compartmented uh, information facilities or intelligence facilities, they don't get those in their in their homes. You know, they're not doing national security work all the time. In the Senate, if you want to review national security information, you have to go to a SCIF on Capitol Hill. You leave your phone outside. You have to leave all your electronic devices you go in, you're allowed to read the document, you don't get to take it with you, you don't get to take notes, and then you leave. Right. So how he had those documents is is, uh, is very strange to me. Well, Andy, we're up against a break, but are we going to see a lot more of this? I think they'd like it to go dark, Tony, because they'd like to be able to say the Justice Department is working on it, so it's going to be up to Congress how hard they push this. All right. I have a feeling they're going to push it. Andy McCarthy, great to talk with you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, Tony. All right. Coming up, the Biden administration has shown a pattern of selectively quoting or even misquoting our founding documents. It happened again over the weekend. We're going to talk about it after the break. Don't go away. More Washington Watch straight ahead. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. 
Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts, and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742, and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. With just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text STAND to 67742. That's STAND to 67742. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make the difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. It's good to have you with us on this Monday. All right, over the weekend, actually it was yesterday, the Vice President Kamala Harris in Florida, marking the 50th anniversary of Roe v. Wade, uh, had this to say. Clip number eight, please. America is a promise. It is a promise of freedom and liberty. Not for some, but for all. A promise we made in the Declaration of Independence that we are each endowed with the right to liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Now, she was quoting Declaration of Independence, selectively quoting. Maybe she needed a Venn diagram to help her get through the entire Declaration of Independence, but she left something out. In fact, she left two key points out as she was celebrating, worshiping, commemorating, marking, whatever you want to call it, the anniversary, the 50th anniversary of Roe v. Wade. She left out the fact that we're created or we're endowed by our creator with certain inalienable rights, among them life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So she left out the creator and she left out life. Conveniently, but you know she's not the first. Uh, her sidekick, the president, um, it, you might recall when he was running, uh, he had uh, this to say. Clip eleven. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by go. You know the you know the thing. You know the thing. Well, now he probably came by it honestly. Because President, former President Obama was, uh, well, he liked to, to leave out the part about the creator. Play clip number 13. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, endowed with certain inalienable rights, life and liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's what makes us unique. Is this just an oversight or is it intentional? I would suggest to you that it's intentional. We've seen in Congress, well, we've seen the Democratic Party a few years ago have a debate about re- removing God from the platform. 
uh, Jerry Nadler, when he was chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, removed God from the oath that witnesses would swear before they would testify before the committee. Because if you can deny the creator, you can deny the fact that he's the one that created all things, including the rules by which we're to live and by which we must govern ourselves. Now, what's interesting is that this trend has grown stronger and stronger. In part, I think it's because many of these uh, on the left who selectively use our founding documents do so freely because the American people have really kind of lost an understanding of our founding documents. We don't teach these things in our school. And I think as we continue down this path of, you know, woke educational curriculum, and we're not learning, our children are not learning American history, you know, we have the CRT, we've got all of this rewrite of American history, the politicians will be free to, you know, change up these uh, founding documents because no one will have read them. They're hidden. This is why we must be intentional about this. And another thing, before I move on, talking about American history, I want to talk about also how we see increasingly a number of politicians misusing, twisting scripture. And again, it's because we we don't know it. Recently, we had uh, a new member of Congress from Michigan quoting Jeremiah 1.5 as justification for not supporting a bill that would extended medical care to a, a baby who survived an attempted abortion. But here's the, I've got a clip here of Nancy Pelosi. Uh, clip number nine. And I can't find it in the Bible, but I use, I quote it all the time, and I keep reading and reading the Bible. I know it's there someplace. It's supposed to be in Isaiah. But I heard Bishop say, um, to minister to the needs of God's creation is an act of worship. To ignore those needs is to dishonor the God who made us. It's there somewhere in some words or another, but certainly the spirit of it is there. Yeah, uh, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. You know, it's fine. I mean, you know, hey, if you want to say that, you can say whatever you want, but don't attribute it to Scripture. Again, this comes back to the point of we just don't know Scripture, and that's why I think as Christians it's very important that we know Scripture so we can know when it is being taken out of context or completely fabricated, and also we need to know our history and challenge those who want to selectively edit or change our founding documents because it matters that our rights come to us from God. They are not a grant from government. They're not a gift from the government. They are given to us by God to be protected by government, to be respected by government. So when you take God out of the equation, the fact that he is the one who endowed us with these rights, then it enables these power-hungry bureaucrats and politicians to try and usurp those rights. Joining me now to talk more about this is Tim Barton. He's the president of Wall Builders. Tim, welcome to Washington Watch. Howdy, thanks for having me on. Good to be with you. Let me get your reaction to this. I, I can only describe it as a blatant misquotation of one of our key founding documents, the Declaration of Independence by the vice president. Uh, yeah, it's <laughs> as you mentioned, uh, this is probably a very intentional move uh, when when you are blatantly leaving out the, the, the foundation of what the document was really about, that the notion that we have a creator and our rights come from the creator. Well, anybody who understands basic history or go back and, and look at the founding fathers, what were they dealing with? They were dealing with a king who believed that he was the end all be all. He was superior, right, that the tyrant monarch and the founding father said that, that you are not the ultimate authority. The idea of American government was that there was a power greater than government. In every nation in the history of the world, there's only really been two options. They either have a, a really big government or a really big God. They don't have both. Because if you have a really big God, you don't need a really big government. You need a limited government that does certain things, but you don't need it to be God in your life. But if there is no God, 
then you need a big government because instead of my God shall supply all my needs, it tends to be my government shall supply all the needs. And when you have Democrats that are trying to replace God, replace a higher power than themselves with themselves, they're trying to be the ultimate power. It makes total sense that you would want to reject the idea that there is a creator or that even there are rights given by that creator. Because right now, so many people in Washington, D.C., they think they're the ones that give people their rights. And it's up to, right, we saw it during COVID. It's up to the government to decide what what good graces they will extend to us if we can have business open, if we can have churches open, if, if we can even have jobs anymore. It goes back to a fundamental misunderstanding that government leaders, you're not God. In right. fact, that was the foundation of America. You didn't give us rights. The founding fathers explained the declaration. Your primary purpose is to protect our God-given rights, not to create, invent, and to determine what rights we get and how we enjoy those rights. So, Tim, let me ask you, is it, is it just me or have you noticed a disturbing pattern of the president, the vice president and, and others, mostly on the left, misquoting text that suit their political needs? I think you're absolutely right. We have definitely seen that trend. And, you know, even as you just mentioned with with Nancy Pelosi or this congresswoman from Minnesota misquoting, misrepresenting the Bible. We see this quite often with history, where people are blatantly, blatantly misrepresenting what is historically true. We saw it with the 1619 Project. We saw it with critical race theory. We've seen it with attacks against the founding fathers. And very well spoken to your point, when we don't know history, when we don't know the Bible, it's easy to be misled by lies because we don't know the truth to be able to identify the lie. And when we come to where we are now with so many politicians and specifically Democrat leaders right now that are misquoting and misrepresenting the founding fathers or our founding documents, and they're doing it for political purposes, it, it is worth asking why. And the fact that so often what they are misquoting, misrepresenting is the idea of the foundation of faith in America, the idea that for so many of the founding fathers, faith was a driving, motivating factor for them, religious liberty, the rights of religious conscience, the idea there was a God, and, and that we should have a responsibility to even worship that God according to the dictates of our conscience. This was a huge motivation for the vast majority of founding fathers, and they set up our government in such a way to make sure that our religious rights and freedoms would never be violated by a government structure or a government leader, by a governor or a president or a Congress. And, and this is something that when you see now Democrat leaders going a very different direction, I think it's intentional because ultimately you can't have the socialism you want. You can't have the communism you want or the Marxism you want unless you can remove God from the equation. Because as long as there are people who believe there are, is a God, who believe there are God-given rights and who believe in the basic principles of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, then, then they're not going to abide by a socialistic regime takeover, a communist or a Marxist move. But if, if you can help the people to change their thinking where they don't, no longer believe that there is a God who gave us rights, but it's now the government's job, right? The government for our own good has to be the one to take care of us and to explain our rights and determine where we can work and when we can go and who's essential and who's not essential. It, it very much is in line for the last several decades arguably of what they've been trying to accomplish to promote this notion of socialism or communism or Marxism because it expands government and it makes them the ultimate arbiters of truth, power, and authority in our lives. So, uh, Tim, you, you said intentional. Uh, does this come out of a desire to play politics and, and accomplish their political objectives, or is it intentional because they just don't know their history and they don't care to know it? So I think it's some of both. I think ultimately in life, we deal with two kinds of people. We deal with the intentional and the ignorant. And the ignorant, that you can be very good-hearted. We, we see so many young people in this Gen Z generation that are very well-intentioned, and they're buying into very bad ideologies because they, they just don't know the truth. And you can be ignorant and be very passionate in your ignorance, but you can be educated out of that. If we engage in conversation, if we engage in an intellectual discussion, we actually can teach people the truth and help guide them in truth. But then there are people who don't care what the truth is. And in fact, they reject the truth. And even knowing the truth, they would rather go the different direction. And I think primarily the people we see in positions of political power, they're people 
who are very knowledgeable and aware of the truth, and they reject the truth for their own political purposes and ends. This is probably different from some of our family members, from some of our friends, from some of the young generations in high school and college right now. Most of them, they just don't know truth, and probably as they get older, they might experience some things, and their life experience will help them know that, you know what, socialism isn't a great idea. We shouldn't go that direction. But when you look at political leaders and those in power, I think it's very hard to argue that Nancy Pelosi doesn't understand the position she's taking. I think it's very hard to argue that Kamala Harris or President Biden don't understand the positions they're taking, and they're doing it intentionally to promote a political ideology philosophy, and they are working, as President Obama once said, to fundamentally transform America. This is the movement we are seeing before us. And I would say, Tim, from a broader perspective, that there are those on the left who who like this. This is where they want to take America. And so to keep people from being educated, those that you say would, you know, just are ignorant of our history, they're marginalizing the founders, you know, 56 white men. You know, why would you want to read what they have to say? They're so out of touch uh, so that we're trying to basically wall off that history from the American Mm -hmm. people. I think you're exactly right. And this is something we can track for the last decades upon decades. If you go back to the 60s and 70s, there was a move to paint the founding fathers as all these sexually uh, perverse, uh, adulterous, fornicating kind of individuals, right? They had all these children out of wedlock. Those were the accusations. Now, almost entirely untrue, but those were the accusations. When you get to the 80s and 90s, we heard the founding fathers weren't religious. They were atheists or agnostics or deists. They, they wanted a separation of church and state. They wanted a secular America. When you get to the 2000s and the 2010s, we hear that they're all these racist, bigoted slaveholders, that all of them own slaves. And again, almost all of these accusations in this generalized fashion are not true. But why has there been an attack against the founding fathers for 60 years? Because you cannot remove the Constitution unless you can make a really good argument for why it's bad and evil. Well, what's the best way to make the argument? If you can paint the founding fathers as bad and evil, then you can make the argument that the documents they gave us, therefore, by default, have to be bad and evil. And so if they're evil, then the Constitution, the Declaration are evil, and we should remove those things. This has been a very strategic move, I believe, for the last literally six decades plus from some progressives promoting this ideology and a lot of people have ignorantly bought into this and and they believe some of these things because they just didn't know the truth but i do think it was intentional from those promoting this ideology and it's been to fundamentally change and shift and transform america to a different political ideology and philosophy all the more reason we must know our true history and teach it to our children Closing question for you, how can folks be equipped to do that through Wall Builders? Yeah, so at wallbuilders.com, they can find out more information. We have resources from so many founding fathers, and and we write a lot about this. And one of the things we encourage people is you don't need to trust anything we say because we're going to document it all to original sources. In fact, we encourage people, be a little more skeptical of the information you hear. Find out what source they're quoting and be able to determine and decipher, is this true or not? We want to be people that stand on truth and are not misled by lies in modern culture. Well, it's great stuff at wallbuilders.com. We use it a lot. And, uh, Tim, grateful for you joining us today. Be sure and tell your dad I said hey. Will do. Thanks so much for having me on. All right. Uh, Tim Barton, president of uh, Wall Builders, great resource. And, and, and you know what? They're attacked, too, because they are teaching Christians our history, teaching Americans our true history. There's been a, you know, a, a big effort to rewrite our history so that we can so the left can redefine America. You know, it's important that we know our history, who we are, where we came from, because that will determine where we're going. All right, folks, thanks so much for being with us on this Monday. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.